Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lhakaloogi. Okay, I'll take it. It's gross, but I'll take it. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, Hawk does not start with an L, then you got the Loogie. Loogio. Lugimon. Loser. Lucario. Lucario. There we go. Um, But today's episode, this is an exciting episode, mostly because it's it's a rant, but I think it's a very relevant rant. Uh, It's a commentary on the culture of audio engineers, specifically audio engineers, but for producers as well. And I hope that this podcast kind of plants a thought seed in your brain to something that'll sprout and grow and hopefully mature as you think about it more often, especially when you talk to other audio engineers. This is, there's some culture in the audio engineering world that we need to stop, that we, 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 we need to rant about and talk about how toxic it is. And uh, people, you're not going to like this. If, if, you, if you're watching, listening with your children, cover your children's ears because today's episode is about the toxic culture of the engineers measuring their dicks against each other. It's a dick measuring competition. We need to stop that bullshit all the time. I can hear this. I can hear dither. I can hear 48 versus 44. You need to stop 
we need to stop this. And this is extremely prevalent, especially like among older engineers, um, because all of this information about mixing and mastering used to be behind closed doors. It used to be super private and nobody knew about it. And it used to be a bunch of electrical engineers who didn't know how to talk to people, but now it's just a bunch of fake influencer engineers that know more how to build a brand than they do actually about about how to fix audio. But still, mixes, because of technology, technological advances and education advances, um, mixers are better now than ever. So there's like a whole demographic change and things of this nature. So it's it's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Brayden and I, we were recording the exclusive episodes. By the way, mixamusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive to get access to more than double the amount of content that you have right now. Um, anyway, we were talking about this, and there was a mastering engineer, a very famous mastering engineer that we pulled a clip from, and he, he said something funny. He said, well, with, we use all analog EQs, and that's because digital EQs leave a thumbprint on the audio, like a fingerprint on the audio. And that made me laugh out loud because does that mean that analog doesn't? <laughs> you know, like, what's your point? What is the argument that you're trying to make? It leaves a fingerprint on the audio. Okay. Uh, does what is what is the okay? What is the point? And there was no point afterwards. He like left it at that. Like he tried to like shit talk digital EQs, but didn't quite successfully make any logical sense in his argument. So it was just this is why I'm we're ranting about it because I'm tired of engineers like like being like oh dithering two is better than dithering one. And and sure there probably is a bunch of science that says this converter is better than this converter. No, there is. Not, not there probably is. There definitely is. But I'm talking about people pretending that they can hear shit even though they can't. For the sake of clout and being, I'm a better engineer, I know what I'm doing because I can hear this shit. And I think a lot more engineers culturally need to be more open about being like, I can't hear it. Maybe not yet. Maybe I'll hear it later. But I definitely can't hear it enough to know that there's going to make a practical difference in my audio chain. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm. We're gonna. This is gonna go on for a while, Lou. But <laughs> tell me, you've got. I know you have some experiences where someone's done this to you, or you've caught yourself doing this, or like, and and it where maybe even times where it definitely didn't help. Well, I'll say it this way. Um, you know me. When it comes to hiring engineers and promoting people through the so-called ranks, right? Like what makes a good engineer versus a bad engineer, a premium engineer versus a standard engineer? The number one way you won't get a job with me, and it's not even that you won't get a job. It's just that I'm not going to look at you the same is when people tell me, you know, I actually already have analog gear. I'm like, cool. And I have tools. Doesn't make me a mechanic. Okay, like it doesn't make me <laughs> just a carpenter. because you have the tools doesn't mean you're a mechanic. Yes. That is true. Like, and the funny thing to me is this: they're like, "Oh yeah, I could totally tell." Like, my favorite thing that I hear is like, "Yo, like the Apollo sounds more analog," and then they don't actually have any analog gear. It's like, what is your actual point of reference? So the funny thing, the reason I say this like this is because you're right. There is generational differences, and it's really toxic. The older the generation gets, and it's starting to become even more toxic right now because of the whole, like you said, the branding thing. Some people are doing it out of branding mm -hmm. and you could tell by their branding that they're also bullshitting. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of a really sad thing because uh, the, 
the side for me that I don't like is I don't like people misleading each other. Yeah. I don't like the idea of you selling yourself as a service provider based on something that is fundamentally not necessarily not true, but so vague. Like, oh, I can hear dither one and dither two and dither three. All right, cool. Can you explain the difference to me? Can you can you break it down for me right now? Because if so, then I might actually pull you into consideration. But if you can't break it down to me, you just went down in consideration. Like you just lost yourself an opportunity just because if somebody's going to call you out on it, you better know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, dude, I've done it myself. I've caught myself doing it as well in the past. And I, I still probably do it from time to time. But there's a few reasons why I think it's bad. One, I mean, we're talking, let's talk like economically from an economics standpoint, macroeconomics here, um, which I am not uh, a master of. I have no degree in economics, just a casual fan of economics here. You know, uh, what, what do we say? Uh, I'm a, I'm a armchair. Of all econ- trades. I'm an armchair economist. Uh, <laughs> is that the what? <laughs> anyway, uh, for a hobby. Anyway, so, um. The idea of we want to, it's good for the economy of audio engineers and for the community to lower the standard, the barrier of entry. So the more, the more uh, competition it is, it may hurt in the short run, like it's harder to get a job. But the more competition there is, the higher the demand for higher quality work and the better positions for higher quality engineers. So engineers will actually become more valuable and make more money because the quality needed to stand above the competition is going to go up. So it's actually better in the long run to make more money if there's a lower barrier to entry. Now, what I'm not suggesting is to lower the standard. So I never, ever want the standard of like, okay, everybody's analog or everybody's inside the box now. So that way you can half-ass everything and it doesn't have to be as good. I do not want to lower the standard, but I do want to lower the barrier to entry. And when we talk about this sort of stuff, when people are doing dick measuring competition, talking about how much bigger their dicks are and how much more they can hear than everybody else, then what happens is it makes people feel insecure and unable to start. The only way, the only thing that's how that's actually positively helping the world and anyone is by making you feel better than other people. That's the only thing that works because it's making other people around you feel shittier about themselves. It's not. It's helping people not get into the industry and thus not funding the industry and l- providing less jobs for the industry and providing lower level jobs for the industry. It's. It's. There's nothing about it that helps. And, and all it does is it creates this consumer mentality. Oh, oh my gosh. I, and, and this is funny because I'm an influencer. Like it's my job to create a branding and to create some sort of influence and talk about, you know, but my job is, my job is talking about the reason why I hate, like I talk about how I hate analog gear is not because I actually hate analog gear, but I don't like the idea of people make music such good music and they're so fucking insecure about it because they think they don't have access to the right tools and all the marketing in the world is telling them that's why their music isn't as good and it makes me genuinely sad that people have music on their hard drives that's not being released because it wasn't summed in an analog summing mixer because that's you know that's some bullshit yeah to be honest like I actually had this conversation with one of our newer interns where he's like, oh, man, I can't wait to buy this gear. Like, my stuff's going to sound so good. And I was like, but what about it? Is it going to make sound good? Like, I kind of heard it already. Like, well, what sounded wrong with it? Uh, 
he just kind of came back with, you know, it's like, oh, well, I see that everybody has gear. I'm like, yeah, just don't get into the mindset that because so-and-so has X gear that you kind of need it. For instance, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen John Costelli's setup. Oh, uh, no, just 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 pictures. Yeah. Uh, so just based on the pictures, it's kind of funny. He has a giant rack of what is it called? Dusseldorf, Hagen Dazs, whatever the the VLC compressor and all that, the new stuff that everybody wants. Um, basically, he's got like sixteen channels worth of it, and I can only assume he's like doing some level of summing through it. But consider that that's also like a sixty thousand dollar investment, eighty thousand dollar investment. His monitors are also worth just as much. But then, like, he also works out of a loft with not an actual fully treated studio. He works in like this weird, like kind of pocket of a dead space panel wise kind of thing. It's actually a pretty cool setup. You should look at it. It's a really cool setup. But the, the funny thing is like, have you seen anybody else with a similar setup? No. And could you say that he is not uniquely the only great engineer out there that a lot of people will reference? Yeah. The funny thing is we got people like Leslie Brathwaite who just uses an Apollo twin, some focal twin sixes, and he's good. Uh, we've got people like uh, Tizio who will have his uh, link set up, and he did get into more analog gear along with like Baines and everybody. But you still have like Jason Joshua, who for some reason is still running through a console, yet Tizio and Baines don't want to run through a console. Like everybody has a different approach, but the gear di- isn't what made their career. It, like what made Tizio's career is being one of the best like tracking engineers you could get fast as fuck knew how to read the room knew how to prepare was always on time he made the difference in his work not in the tools that he had it's a poor workman that blames his tools and you know the cool thing is the reason i have so much respect for tizio is he's a great example of he worked his way up through proper work ethic not because of a specific piece of gear most times he even said like, even if he was in front of the console, he's like, if there's a way for us to not record through the console, I'd prefer that. Yeah. that It's so incredible. Like, again, I, it's so funny. And I, maybe I should make a, maybe I should take action and make a web series where I like uh, do something on TikTok or YouTube shorts. And all I do is find these engineering posts. Maybe everybody DMs me like Instagram reels or TikToks of people saying like matter of fact things or like some sort of crazy thing on audio. And then I just like call them out for their bullshit. I just, what was the one on gear space? Oh, I have it pulled up right now. There's, there's a, there's uh, we're going to talk about this. Although this is a little bit different because this isn't so much like, I think people are just confused so much. At this point, this is where it becomes a toxic nature where on a certain level, okay. Programming algorithms. Sure. There may be like some difference, but come on. Like this one is wild. Like this one is like, you either were really high or you were lying out no, your ass. Like, okay, so so here, no way here. anybody else in the world came up with this comparison. So this is from Gearspace, formerly Gear Sluts, about um uh, <laughs> about different DAWs. About do DAWs have different sounds? Um, and there's someone that says 
Yeah, I hear you, man. Logic X is not the best for recording guitars because it has a nevish sort of sound, a bit too dark. Guitar recording in Pro Tools is a little better because it is more SSL-ish, clean with a bit of character. I suppose that's why most mix engineers prefer for mixing, like the good old days on an SSL 4000. It, uh, uh, haven't tried Reaper, but I hear it's between Logic and Pro Tools sort of neve SSL with a bit of API thrown in. I say record and mix in the one that gives you the character and vibe that that speaks to you. Okay, that is, and then the post after that, the reply is the Dave Chappelle cokehead one going, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, there, there's so many things wrong with this. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it doesn't seem like he's trying to promote this and saying that I'm better than you because of this, which, which is a whole, which is what I'm talking about. But this is some, this is a result of what happens when people are out there saying that they know something more than somebody else and and trying to flex how much they know we have a bunch of uh lesser uh informed engineers that are confused that genuinely believe this shit yeah and 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 that's hurting us more than anybody anything else like and here's the thing like engineers at the lower level like when i moved to la and I started, this is not, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to be known as the guy that's complaining. I think out of 180 episodes, I complain on this one episode. I don't, I hope it doesn't brand me as someone that complains because I typically don't complain. But when I moved out here, I was surprised that the capital of entertainment in the world has some of the worst engineers that gets jobs consistently. Like there are a yeah. lot of engineers out here that plain, plain suck. It's, it's surprising how much they suck. And, and now you know why I'm very nitpicky with who we hire for engineering. And like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's not really helping my argument. I'm trying to figure out the segue into what I'm trying to say. I think a lot of it is but, that because we're in the capital, a lot of people assume also that the people that work out here are also of a better caliber. But that's not really the case. Once again, people haven't really fully worked their way up. And then there's resources like the one that you read out loud that are also misleading the newer generation of engineers. Back then, it was kind of gatekeepery in the sense that you had to go to the studio, you had to intern, you had to apprentice another engineer to get a certain type of role. Nowadays, you can just go to YouTube University, and let's be honest, I'm not, once again, not to complain or anything, but I had to stop watching YouTube after a while because the more I learned, the more I realized that not everything on YouTube is as accurate as it seems. Mm, amen. And there's okay. First off, we still highly recommend YouTube. And oh yeah, even YouTube you, University is a great source. Oh yeah, and even if you learn a bunch of things that are inaccurate, it's better to learn those things and then to find out that it's inaccurate. But you the point what? is to stay open minded about it. So we're not recommending that you don't listen to half of YouTube. We still recommend you try. Like if Lou and I say that we don't like the CL1B and the Neve combo, um, it, we're not saying that you shouldn't do it. We're saying that you should try it and figure out whether you agree with us or not. Yeah. Um, and, and at least hear us out. And it's okay to have different opinions. I think that's the point here. Where, the way like, I like to do YouTube is honestly just listen to people's mindsets, listen to their culture and how they move and why they move that way, and learn from that. You don't have to take every last note that they tell you. I, I will say that there's, there's two things that I want to argue. The first thing is that people that don't know what they're talking about are pretending to know what they talk about, and I think that's a major issue. But I, I also think just as important, and I think that this is what I mean by dick measuring competition, because those with, that don't know as much can't really whip anything out. But I'm talking about the, the experienced cats that have awards and Grammys and things of that nature. And I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discredit any of those people. But let's say, like what we, what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, 
uh, somebody says something um, about if you analog gear is better, right? Uh, does that help anybody? Like, all that does is it makes people who don't have it insecure and unable to release music, which doesn't help the industry, doesn't help engineers, it doesn't help musicians, doesn't help these advertising companies and the film and TV world. <laughs> you know, there's... It doesn't help anybody. It, it, all it does, it's like, hey, I'm better than you. It's kind of like the person at church that says, I have more faith than you. That doesn't help anybody. <laughs> that doesn't fucking help anybody. I know more than you that God exists. That is literally the most self-serving thing I've ever heard in church. And it's the same thing with audio engineers. It doesn't help anybody. I'm not going to lie. Somebody has said that to me in the past. And I just the, people the say that every up. single fucking week where I go. Like, it's, it's crazy. And, and like every single time, like, okay, I'm, but I'm, that's, I'm not calling people out. This is not a church episode. But the point is, this is all about virtue signaling or grandstanding. Saying, and this goes into, we can go into, we're not going to go into politics, but this is just absolutely immoral and unhealthy for the, the, and I'm like, I'm screaming to the microphone and I'm having a hard time really trying to eloquently describe what I'm feeling about this. But I'm so fucking sick and tired of people saying that they can hear the difference between 96 kilohertz and 192. And when they sample up sample four times to eight times, they can hear the fucking difference and you should be able to hear it too, or else you're not a good enough engineer. I'm so tired of people saying that shit. When at the end of the day, hey, Mr. Guy that recorded the Beatles, why did you pick that microphone? Oh, uh, it was the one that was already plugged in and had a stand on it. What the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was... The logic was it was convenient. And if you had a computer that can't mix sessions at 96 because your computer can't handle it, and you can only record and mix at 44.1 because that's all your computer can handle, who fucking gives a shit? Since when did we start caring? Since when did art... Well, since when was creating art based around what other people think? I don't know. There's just so much. First off, you shouldn't care what other people think. But also, uh, these, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of it. And it happens way too often. It hap- and so, like, here's the thing. When people, when I say, when an engineer comes to me, I know I'm a good engineer. I'm secure. Like, I, I know that I'm good. And when this happens all the time, DK, can you hear a difference when I turn this plug-in on? And I'll be like, no, I can't hear it. I'm secure enough to say, no, I can't hear it. Which, which the only re- the only thing that that should mean is that it's not making that much of a difference for it to be practical because there definitely is a difference between forty four and ninety six kilohertz. There's a definite scientifically measurable difference, but the difference is not practical, and it's not practical enough for you anybody to give a shit. Now, going from SoundCloud to any sort of lossless is definitely. Uh, Unfor- like that's definitely worth it. SoundCloud compression sucks, uh, but, <laughs> but I mean, like even going from MP3 to Wave, I can hear MP3 to Wave, and most people can, especially if it's a lower, um, lower bit depth or whatever on the MP3. But mm-hmm. oh come on, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm like I'm ranting, I'm fucking ranting right now. I'm I'm. Can you see the You're fumes visually? Can you see one. the can you see the fumes visually? Because I I do think that it's important that we recognize that ninety six is better than forty eight. I think that it's in, it good to acknowledge that. But to to say that you're not as good because you can't do that, or you don't know what you're doing because you've never understood this. Oh man, 
man, it's just not practical. I'm, I'm tired of people sharing impractical advice as a way to grandstand or show that they know more. It's not practical. I'm so I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry, Lou. Calm me down. You're very you're very sane right now. I've lost my mind, and I'm people are gonna hate me for this shit. But I had to say I had to say it. I'll be the first one to say it. I'll do it. Cool. Uh, cool. Honestly, see, cool. <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, listen. I know I know that was a very nonchalant way to just like respond. But main reason is this: um, at the end of the day, some people will choose to kind of like do these grandstandings right um and people will see it people who know how to tell when people are bullshitting or when they're just going overboard they can tell you know like i'm the type of person who overshares uh i'll be honest like you know that like today's conversation in the morning (laughs) (laughs) that's that's an inside joke nobody's gonna get oh yeah no i'll say i'll say so lou this morning we called up he's like hey man i don't know we should meet separately just in case i have some sort of bug i got the shits all morning i'm like (laughs) you could have just told me you weren't feeling well like you didn't have to give me that much detail (laughs) but the funny thing is there's a difference between oversharing and then claiming something that you don't really know and trying to share information that you cannot honestly you cannot truthfully speak on and you also cannot actually back up in any level and then say that you know about it just because you know the person you're talking to doesn't know enough about it to challenge you on it Mm. and i've met a lot of people like this and unfortunately i've let a lot of them slide Mm. and i say unfortunately because there comes a time in your career where you got to decide, do I even care to listen to you anymore? Mm. Like you have lost a certain amount of respect in engaging in that kind of nature. Um, I think, you know, the contractor that I'm talking about where he'll tell the clients like, yeah, I know how to soundproof. Oh yeah. I do the surround sound. And yeah. Oh yeah. I could do this. Like visually speaking, he makes amazing aesthetic studios. Uh, technically speaking, they're some of the worst studios I've, ever seen um i turned down uh installing the new one with like five rooms um i'm turning money away just because i want nothing to do with it that's how bad it is but yet he's one of those people that walk around town constantly telling people he knows what he's doing he he'll try to teach people about acoustic treatment and when i stand there and listen to it i'm like i will talk to the client separately and set them straight so that they know that what he said is technically absolutely wrong i may technically not be doing something so nice on his end, but I'm also saving somebody from wasting their money. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I will say though, uh, the only caveat that I'll say to my rant is that I do not want to discourage at all the the from people learning more about the technical stuff. You should be learning the technical stuff. You should be becoming a better engineer, and you should be learning about this stuff. What I am saying is using that as a way to crush others down and to lift yourself up on the bones of the fallen, <laughs> you know, and to grandstand or to virtual signal. I, I just do not, I, I, that's what I think is the point. I, I do not want to stop learning to lower the bar, or the standard. The standard should go higher and higher and higher. The more noobs enter the field, you know how much more money and how much more jobs there are in the, in the, engineering world now like artists take engineering so much more seriously and even like in the independent world how many more artists pay for mixers now than they did 20 years ago so like 
Fuck off if you think that having more low-level engineers hurts our industry. That's not true. There's more money in the industry. There's way more innovation. There's more tools. There's more software because it's, you're, we want more noobs. And we want those noobs to become better. And we, want, we should encourage them. We shouldn't make them feel like shit for not knowing enough. And we should encourage them to learn more. Um, so it's this weird balance. It's this weird balance. So um, I think that's the point of this episode that I just want to make is like, please stop. Please stop dick measuring competition. Please stop them. And I know more than you. I hear more than you. The fact of the matter is, if that was actually true, then the fact that I'm younger and can still hear 17, 18 kilohertz makes me a better engineer than all you motherfuckers that are above 30. So, and that's not true at all. That's, that's the most stupid thing that you would ever believe. Actually, what's funny is I know people who still get their music mixed by Dave, uh, Dave Pensato. And, um, you know, when I talk to them, they even say they're like, oh, yeah, Dave Pensato, like one of the most legendary engineers. Yeah, I didn't really like the mix I got. Uh, we're going to be trying somebody else out. Not to throw shade at Dave, but it's one of those that are like, yo, just because they've been around forever and they're telling and you one also, thing or another. And that's also, that's more than just what I was talking about, about the mm -hmm. age thing, but that's also like taste as well. And that's exactly. the really cool thing is before it was a matter of who can do it. Yeah. And now Dave it's a, was and around now it's an for art some style. of the biggest records. Yeah. And now it's an art style. It's, it's not just about who can, who's available, who can do it, but it's like, who can help me sound my, sound my best to me? Yeah. And who can help create my art? It's more artistic now. It's a lot more creative than it's ever been, the engineering and music production world. And that's the, the way it should be. The thing that you touched on is uh, that back then there was staff engineers, and the staff engineers would do whatever an engineer could do that was available in the studio, which was like if you were the engineer for Paramount when it first started, you did recording, mixing, mastering, whatever the client needed. You were just the engineer that was there. It's very much so the case with in the mix studios, whichever engineer was available for the session is also handling whatever the client needs. If they want to mix for the next six hours on their eight hour block, that engineer is a mixing engineer for the next six hours. So the same exact thing was happening back then. So a lot of the cats that got major credits, you find out that they were like, oh yeah, I was an assistant engineer and the engineer called in sick and I became the head engineer for this project that went crazy. Yeah. So uh, uh, in the chat, we have EJ Young Music that says, but DK, you do hear better than me. And I think that this is important. Um, it's, I want to be clear that if I hear better than you or if you think that I'm better mixer than you or whatever, and I'm not trying to compare, but if you think that, then I want you to recognize that it's because I've spent so much time training my ears and it's not because of my equipment or I use a different sample rate or I have a specific interface it's because I've put in time and don't like, I, I kind of personally think it's like DK mixes better because he's got better speakers and he, he's, he's got a better room. It's like, don't disrespect me, dude. I've put in more time than you have. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't try to negate the experience that I put in. Like you can't ever negate experience. And, and I think that's the point. I think we should focus less on the technical things that just aren't practical and focus more on experience learning and self-discovery. Um, anyway, maybe maybe there's... I'm trying to think. I, there's a part of me that's conflicting. Conflicted in, in my rant today because it makes it sound like that people shouldn't share discoveries that they make or new things. And, I, I, and I'm not saying that I think the idea is that you're saying that... And correct me if I'm wrong here, but from what I'm hearing, it's about the competition that people put themselves in that nobody asked them to be a part of. 
How do you mean? You know that? what I mean? Like people are just trying to, like you said, it's a dick measuring contest. Cool. Well, who started the contest? Honestly speaking, somebody's just out there on the internet ranting about how they can hear one thing or another, or that one thing is better than the other. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of opinion at the on um, most topics, and on the other topics, it's literally researchable, and you can disprove a mm. lot of what you're being told over the internet. You know, which is why everything that you read, everything that you learn, take it with a grain of salt. The number one educator is experience, and yeah, take it from us. You know, I remember when me and DK uh, first started working together. DK had a pair of ATC SEM forty five A's. You know, they're now worth about like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. Um, and I had a pair of three hundred dollar LS three oh sixes, I think they were the little I six actually really like those speakers. Yeah, I remember he was in the booth with uh with that and I was in the control room in A because we only had one room and it was Yeah, like we swapped. You were using together. my speakers in the bigger part of the room and I was mixing on the smaller room yeah. with the smaller and speakers. And it was funny because like I remember that when you walked into the control room and you're like, Yo, are those those speakers? And I was like, Yeah. You're like, really? And you were like looking at it like, yeah, and it was really funny to me because, yeah. And I was like, is he so surprised that these little $300 speakers actually sound good? I mean, I wouldn't Yeah, they sound them. great. Sound I good. like those a lot. But yeah. I, yeah, and the I funny think, thing I, is like, oh, yeah, go ahead. The funny thing is like, I actually got my plaque working on little gear like that. Like, I didn't get my plaque before I like after whatever I got ATCs or whatever. Like, to be honest, my home setup was like, an Apollo twin at that time. Like I had the same setup everybody has at home when I was getting all my successful work. Mm. Um, and now I can afford to buy more things. And now that I know better and I know what I'm looking for and I know what works for me, I can buy more and stuff. But honestly, I dived down that rabbit hole where everybody kept saying like, Oh yeah, you got to have a summing mixer. Oh yeah. You got to have X, Y, Z converters. You got to have this and that, or else like, it won't sound like this. And I'd watch all the AB comparison videos and then decide what I'm going to buy. But now whenever I buy something, it's because I creatively want it. Not because somebody made me believe that it makes me better. Because or it makes I you faster. Time, it yeah, speeds it up your workflow. That's faster. actually super important. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I went down that rabbit hole where I took a credit card, bought a bunch of gear, and I didn't really know what I was doing with it. And I actually got better after I sold it, got rid of it, and just focused on what was in front of me. Yeah. Like yeah. like buying analog preamps and compressors so you can record with them on the way in actually would be useful. But for mixing, yeah. mm, I don't not know. Not useful that. at all. No, no, not at all. Um, no, buying a compressor for mixing, eh, maybe if it was like like the double wides were magical. I really like them. The STA levels, they're magical. But, but is like, it better, right? So that was the point that you, yeah, I, exactly. and the, I think you were really, really on point. As I, I think that my argument kind of shifted and, and came to a, a weird conclusion. But I think the point is I'm tired of people saying that things are better than other things when it's not. It's just yeah. different. Um, Literally. It's just super different. And if if things were genuinely better, then Detroit hyper pop hip hop that's like sounds nasty as fuck would not be popular or trendy yeah. at all. And that it goes to show. So I think my argument is not about whether some things are 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 is whether people that are experienced are just being dumb. I think it's more about people claiming in general that this is better than this. And what I'm saying is that nothing. What you're you're saying you clarified better than I did is that that's false. Nothing is better than anything. And on top of that. If someone is saying something is better than something, you should discover why through personal experience. Yeah. And and you're allowed to disagree. And 
I think that that's just super, super duper important. I think, Lou, you, you really hit it on the money and kind of carried us home there because at, at the end I was just an angry boy, just screaming angry and just DK. pissed off. I, I don't – here's the thing. Um, the, the person – if you ever watch or listen to that exclusive content – by the way, this episode is sponsored by the Mix of Music podcast. Um, if you'd like more content for $4 a month – or $40 a year, that is less than one cup of coffee a month, you can get three times the amount of episodes every single week. And we only talk about technical things, mastering or mixing. It's super amazing. Braden and I spend a lot of time um, creating great content to help you become mixers. We give out homework. We talk about this sort of stuff. It's super easy. You just upload the RSS feed into um, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever podcasting platforms you have. It doesn't work on Spotify, but it's really easy to just use on a different app. Download a different app. Um, again, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. You can get access to those. Um, but anyway, the the guy that I was quoting is actually a very big and extremely influential mastering engineer. And many people are hanging on to every single word that that person is saying and truly believing, because that person is so influential, truly believing that what he's saying is right. And when it came down to it in this quote, and maybe he just stumbled on his words and didn't quite exactly portray what he was trying to say, like I've been saying for the half, this, what, what I've been doing this half this episode. But when you say, I don't use digital EQs because it leaves a thumbprint and make absolutely no point, <laughs> there was, there, what does that mean? <laughs> and I don't know. There's something about that that kind of just triggered me this morning. And, and I just need to call them out like, no, analog EQs are not better. And you just basically told us. <laughs> <laughs> because analog EQ is also definitely the thumbprint. And he didn't even say that he prefers that thumbprint. And that's the thing. If he did, he'd, then he'd, uh, he'd just show us that it's just preference. He'd prove that it's just preference because that's all it is. Because I know many, and you know too, Lou, many different mastering engineers and mixing engineers that are 100% in the box, and oh, yeah. they do better job than some people that are 100% out of the box. Actually, I'd argue that most of them do. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Let's let's just be honest. Like, which gets me on. How many how many times do you think a recall is exactly the right way when you're 100 percent out of the box? So let's let's be honest. Have you ever had to calibrate tape? Like, oh. have you actually actively ever done it? No, I, I not, no, I've avoided tape like the plague. I have. I actually used to work on tape for a little bit uh, with my first uh, producer that I ever got hired as a personal engineer. Mm -hmm. He was a, you know, old school rock guy. He did like Bootsy Collins, Lita Ford and all them. Uh, he even did like Alice Cooper was one of my first like bigger projects that I got to be a part of. Um, but we were always working on like Trident A-range consoles mm. and things like that. You know, Studer uh, tape machines and everything. And one day I had to help out uh actually calibrate it for once like i usually never got to calibrate it but like one day i had to help with like calibrating it for a recall that shit took four hours <laughs> that thing took four hours to calibrate for 48 channels and, and here's the thing dude is that those things do have a tone like tape machines definitely yeah. have a tone the trident a range has an amazing tone Yep. But does the tone is the tone the reason why that record sounds like a million dollars? No, it's because so, it's fucking Lou on the console. It's not the console. <laughs> so watch this. There's even one deeper fact that nobody ever talks about, but there is one interview out there where Sheps admitted to this, and nobody ever wants to admit to this. Sheps openly admitted it as one of the reasons he sold his console. He said 
depending on how much power was being drawn from the house or the studio, depended on what type of tone he was going to get that day on the console. Mm. So if you did not have like extreme thousands of dollars worth of, uh, how can I say? Like, uh, what is what is it called? Regulators? Power distribution, or, yeah. isolation. Uh, I forget what it's called. And like, we're talking like huge boxes built in the walls. Like the magnet for the actual like power supply is like this big like they're fat they're yeah. massive and they're i know what you're talking about there's a few studios that i've seen that have that like have invested yeah, tens of thousands of that. dollars into that like, and consider this voltage like, regulars i have no idea what they're called i'm not gonna pretend to be it. an electrical engineer i have like, no idea most studios doing. in la with a console don't have it mm. um and i can verify this because i've had to work in a lot of them where they don't have it uh but it's kind of funny it's it's one of those where sheps admitted he's like yo like that's a real console issue. Like if the if the washer was running, it sucked up a certain amount of power that the console no longer was receiving unless you had one of those things. So people would call him after he did a recall and say, hey, did you have less power going on? Like the bounce, like I know you did a recall and you just turned the vocal up, but it sounds different. Mm. And now that analog recall isn't even able to recall properly. So is it actually better to be 100% out of the box if you can't even recall to make minor edits Amen. effectively. Amen. Yeah, Amen. So once again, like, don't worry about the gear. Don't worry about other people's opinions about what's best. Just do, as, do what's best for you and what works best for you. And usually that means don't go 100% analog. Yes. We want to promote innovation, learning and innovation. And you know what? I think talking about this, we should do a separate episode about this. Maybe this is the next episode. But as of uh, four days ago, uh, I did something very drastic, and people are gonna hate me for this, and maybe Dude, not at all. Maybe I just pink. maybe I just maybe people think I, maybe I just think because of all the marketing and people saying that this thing is better than the other thing that we are we've been talking about this. Maybe it's all in my head, but I've officially quit Pro Tools, and maybe in the next <gasps> episode we'll talk about why. Oh no! But to sum it up in a simple sentence, is I do not want to pay four times the price. For a company that innovates four times less than any other company and has four yeah. times less features. Yeah. Damn, bro. Or you have to pay at least equivalently now. And their customer service. About, what, that, that, was, that was my main thing. That was the big trigger yeah. is that like me trying to contact their customer service was the most horrible thing ever. Oh, dude. Contact. Did you have to pay for their, con- uh, no, for their I, customer service? Just. Oh, if you yeah. ever try to call them, they will charge you. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll make you wait, and then they'll give you a half-ass answer. Yeah. Dude, the drama, I started some real Twitter beef. Like, one of the most viral Twitter posts I've ever started is when I just tweeted, um, I'm done with Pro Tools. I'm done, yeah. I'm done with it. And, and honestly, like, yeah, it's a money thing. Do I want to, but more importantly, it's not because I can't afford $40 a month or whatever. It's because Studio One is $15 a month, and it has way more features, it's faster, and they're continually innovating. Logic is $200 once, and Atmos is free. <laughs> and you can buy third-party plugins. Like, for example, I, I bought something called like Plug Search, where you can actually like hit control and you can search plugins. You, you can't search on Logic for plugins. But I mean, like, there's no innovation going. You still have to manually enter hardware analog buffer times if you want to go out of the box for native native systems 
At one point, Pro Tools had an economic advantage, a technological economic advantage, because they were the only ones that had a system with no latency issues. They They've still are. I will give them that. But let's be honest. DSP oh, yeah. systems are falling by the wayside. And uh, if I had to pay $10,000 to just have lower latency, I'd get a beefy computer and a very, very well-built interface. And we're good. Like the Lynx interfaces are my favorite interfaces because they're them and RME have like the lowest round trip latency and the best like drivers I've seen built for for computers. All right, all right, hold. On. I don't want to say anything more else because you're right. EJ Young Music is is in the chat. By the way, we're live on on uh, on Twitch, Twitch and YouTube. If you want to see us and watch our videos, go to DK Mixes D E E K E I Mixes forward slash videos, and it'll take you to my YouTube and, or Twitch. Um, we're going to stop this episode because I'm going to say too much and we won't have enough content for the next one. We're going to talk about this because I think that this is important. Um, thank you. Do you want to say anything about today's episode about learning and dick measuring yeah. competitions? Any other final thoughts? To be thoughts? honest, DK might sounded heated and I may have sounded calm, but I always sound calm as shit when it comes to these kind of conversations. But just take this as the final note. Don't overthink it. Just go with your gut. If you don't know something, don't try to play along with it and throw yourself into the corner. Just take your time. It it doesn't matter if you don't hear it right now. Amen. You will. Trust Amen. me. Like there's a lot of things I didn't hear before that I hear now and I've been doing this 12 years. It gets better with time. Just believe that you'll know better later. Also, also uh, subscribe to my YouTube because it's completely free and I put out more videos uh, other than the podcast, like I literally just released, and I use Lose Vocal template that you can download for free from his Instagram. Oh, yeah. And I did a whole twenty-minute video of how to record really, really fast on Pro Tools, sharing like the biggest industry secrets, and it's available on YouTube. Subscribe to me on YouTube because it's free, or else, and I'm gonna say this, or else, use a bitch. And happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. <laughs> Lou is like, huh? <laughs> Lou is, I'm aggressive today. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Peace. <laughs>
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.